you're invited to get your Bibles out or your Bible app and go to today's reading, which is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, verses 12 through 14. Bibles are available in the back of your chair in front of you, uh, and they're free for the taking if you need one. And now, Mark 12, 11, 12 through 14. The next day, after leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. From far away, he noticed a fig tree in leaf, so he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing except leaves. Since it wasn't the season for figs, so he said to it, no one will ever eat again your fruit. His disciples heard this. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. One of these days, Stuart, I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> As was announced, I am Gorton Smith. I am a retired member of the New Mexico Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church. Uh, happy to be retired and happy to be a part of the United Methodist Church. But I'm also happy to be here at Morningstar once again to, to share with you from God's word. I appreciate Amy putting this kind of trust and confidence in me, uh, letting me borrow her pulpit uh, for a time or so. Uh, we're, uh, we're in the midst of a sermon series, and we'll be getting to that, but I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been so hungry that you became hangry? You know, that, that's when your stomach rules your attitude, and then anger just kind of oozes out of you. Well, I think that's what happened to Jesus. In order to grasp the whole picture, we need to know what surrounds the, the verses that Sherry just read. The 11th chapter of Mark begins with what we have called the Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, which we also call what? Palm Sunday, that's right and the beginning of Holy Week. So we're about six months ahead on our readings this morning. But anyway, this is a day that something like a Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade happened when Jesus and his entourage came into the city of Jerusalem. All the people lined the streets, and they threw their palms and their clothing, their tunics, in front of the little donkey on which Jesus sat. And they sang... It was all smiles and giggles that day as they shouted out, Hosanna, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessings for the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest. What an experience that must have been. And at the end of the day, exhausted by all the hoopla, Jesus and his friends retired to the village of Bethany, just outside the city walls of Jerusalem. 
And that's where our story picks up this morning. Jesus, hungry, a fig tree, not in season, a curse. The next morning, which was Monday, Jesus and his group headed back into the city. Jesus was so hungry, the scripture says, so hungry that he became hangry. He spied a fig tree fully in leaf, but as yet with no figs. So he said to the fig tree, no one will ever again eat your fruit. Well, the little group continued their trek and entered into Jerusalem, heading for the temple. And when they entered the temple property, Jesus became indignant at the blundering market of people selling and buying on temple grounds. And you've heard this story, how Jesus upturned the tables, he threw out the merchants, he upset all of the religious leaders who always got their cut from the market. Jesus taught them, Mark says, hasn't it been written, my house would be called a house of prayer for all nations. Another exhausting day, and Jesus and his friends left the city. Now, are any of you here old enough to remember Paul Harvey, the radio commentator? Yeah, there are a lot of old goats, I mean, older people, senior citizens like me. But you remember Paul Harvey and that phrase, now this is the rest of the story. Well, this is the rest of the story, beginning in verse 20. Early in the morning, as Jesus and his disciples were walking along, they saw the fig tree withered from the root up. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look how the fig tree you cursed has dried up. And Jesus responded to him, have faith in God. What? What a response. I assure you that whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and doesn't waver but believes... believes that what is said will really happen, it will happen. Therefore, I say to you, whatever you pray and ask for, believe that you will receive it, and it will be so for you. And whenever you stand up to pray, if you have something against anyone, forgive so that your Father in heaven may forgive your wrongdoings. Laughable. Maybe not. Meaningful? Definitely. And let's see where this goes. Would you join me in prayer? Gracious and loving God, open our hearts and our minds to, to your word, to your story this morning. Let the words that I speak be the words you would have us to hear. And if not these, O oh Lord, Hide me behind your cross and speak to us in the depths of our heart. This we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. Now in this sermon series that Pastor Amy has designed, we're looking at some Bible stories that may make us giggle a little bit, may make us laugh. Some of them, like this one, goes, wow. 
just that slap on the head experience. And last week, Pastor Amy began the series by talking about the boy Samuel who, who just couldn't sleep. He kept being awakened by voices. And she asked, invited us to think about how that affects us and how willingly we listen to God or how open we are to what God would say to us. And now this week, we're looking at another story. Like I said, probably not funny, but very meaningful. This was a frustrating and perhaps fearful week for Jesus. Now, if we believe that Jesus was aware of, of what was happening that week, then he knew that Sunday's Hosanna would become Friday's crucify him. Could this have been the impetus for his anger, his frustration, his angst? That Monday morning, when Jesus and his disciples were headed back into the city, and he saw a verdant, leafy fig tree, and, and although it wasn't the season for figs, Jesus thought that, well, maybe this is an exception. I'm hungry, and maybe there's a, a fig or two there that will slake my thirst. Seeing no fruit, Jesus cursed the fig tree that it would never bear fruit. Then in the temple where he went to pray, he found the buyers and the sellers of goods instead of a place of prayer. His anger began to rise. And he said to them, out, get out. He realized that they were making the place of prayer a place of commerce. And he threw them all out. Tuesday morning, as once again they headed back into the city, Peter noticed that the fig tree but that Jesus cursed was lifeless. And he called Jesus' attention to it and said, look, look at that fig tree that, that you cursed. Well, I like to think that perhaps Jesus was in a little better mood this morning, this Tuesday morning. And instead of cursing, Jesus gave them a teaching. The one I read, the last part of the 11th chapter of Mark. But what does that mean for you, for me, for Morningstar? Through the years, this passage of Scripture has been a real conundrum for scholars. And I think that's why Amy gave me this Scripture, because I had no idea what to do with it. I struggled with it for literally for weeks, and I finally said to Amy last week, okay, I'm going to do something, but I'm going to go do somewhere else. And so I'm looking at the whole passage from verse 12 on down to the end of the chapter. Because historically, one stream of thought was that this story of the cursing of the fig tree was the denouncement of that purity of religion that the Pharisees seemed to have. Everybody knew everything. A sterile, a punitive religion. Another thought is that Jesus used this event to teach his disciples to believe, to pray, and to forgive. That's where I am. The church, I think, is rooted in these three principles. Believe, pray, 
forgive. Now, I, I don't think Jesus expected them or us to think that we will get anything we pray for. Do you? Do you believe if you pray for a new Range Rover that it'll be sitting in your driveway in the morning? Not unless you can afford the loan. But I think what Jesus was trying to do was to teach us to pray with the sincere belief that God hears our prayer and God answers our prayers. Which is saying, pray with conviction. I do not think Jesus expects us to believe, to pray, and to forgive. I do think that Jesus expects us to believe, to pray, to forgive. These bind us together in love as a church. It, it makes us a community of faith. And the church is a community of faith or it's an empty shell. For the sake of our church, our sisters and our brothers in faith, and for our own spirituality, we should carefully and purposefully practice believing, praying, and forgiving. Believe. Believe even when everything around you says doubt, question, deny, refuse, get even, whatever. In an Iowa newspaper, a Methodist church sermon gram that was printed in 1926 had the phrase, it's easier to fall for something than to stand for anything. In 1990, that phrase became the one with which we are more familiar. I, I think it was actually in a country song. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Now that's free. That's another Paul Harvey, the rest of the story for you this morning. But it is true. To believe is to stand for something. To stand for what Jesus taught. To stand for what builds up the church to stand for the sacredness of every human being, to stand for integrity in how we live every day. Folks, if we don't stand for these principles, we'll fall prey to the minions of destruction, division, and disruption. Prayer. Prayer is indeed at the very heart of what we believe. Now, I won't this morning try to go into the many modes of prayer or styles of prayer or any of that. that that's from two or three or four workshops. But just know that, that prayer is our communication with God, whether it's a sentence prayer at a stoplight. Have you ever done that? Every time you stop at a stoplight, turn and pray for the people in the car next to you, even if they're blowing their horn. To take the moment to, to pray and worship a part of our liturgy every Sunday. Or maybe that long time, that long conversation that you might have with God before you fall asleep at night. Prayer does not open up a big bag full of goodies that we might want God to just rain down upon us. Prayer does avail us to God's will. One of my favorite books was, is actually a collection of sermons by a preacher named Dr. Leslie Weatherhead. He was a preacher in uh, 
in England during the war, during World War II, and he preached a series of sermons on God's will and how we are to understand God's will. He talked about God's will as God's intentional will, what God wants for us, God's circumstantial will, how God's will works in our everyday lives in every situation, and God's ultimate will. God's will that will in the long run be reached in the realized in the world. Prayer connects us to God's will, God's intentional will, God's circumstantial will, God's ultimate will. And the third part of Jesus' teaching from the fig tree is that forgiveness is a God thing. Whenever I pray the Lord's Prayer, whether here or at home, I always pause at that place that says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Let me ask you this. Do you really want God to forgive you the way that you forgive others? I don't. And I am so thankful that God's forgiveness is so much stronger than mine. That God readily and lovingly forgives us. And I try to imitate that as I forgive others. That is what Jesus said. If you have something against anyone, forgive. Why? so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your wrongdoings. It's all connected. Today, I would challenge us, all of us, I would challenge us to offer forgiveness to someone every day this week. You can begin today. Maybe it's forgiveness for that person that cut you off in traffic on Loman Avenue at 4.30 in the afternoon. Or maybe it's the clerk who miscounted your change. Or maybe it's that neighbor who is so contentious, so all of his junk in his yard flows over into yours. Forgive. Or maybe it's a spouse that we might need to forgive. You get the drift. Practicing forgiveness should be just as easy for us as we are quick to offer a prayer of thanksgiving. Now that you know the rest of the story, how a curse became a blessing. This is the only story that I have found in the Bible where Jesus cursed someone or something. It was not in his nature, except on that Monday morning. How about it, Morning Star? Are you ready to, to stand firmly on what you believe as a follower of Jesus? Read your own mission statement. Are you willing to be more diligent in seeking God's will through multiple times of prayer? 
Are you ready to forgive others as God has forgiven you? In the name of the Creator, the Redeemer, the Sustainer, Amen.